welcome to episode 41 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengas. And we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? Shameless plug, Petathon is coming up this weekend. That's right. If you're listening to this podcast the week it comes out, it is coming out. Uh, Petathon is this weekend on the 10th. Um, but Petathon events are running all week, including a charity auction online. You can get all the information on geekade.com. Expect to see Jengus and I playing Resident Evil 7 VR for uh-huh. PSVR. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Once again, I have the pleasure of getting scared with Jengus. But obviously, the, the big thing is just seeing Jengus just freak out and panic <laughs> and start to get the fear sweats. And oh, just yeah. everything is good about that. It's going to be wonderful. Yes, all in the name of a good cause. Indeed. Um, please come join in, join the conversation. Even if you can't donate, at least show up because support is good in any way. But if you can donate, that's even better to the Colorectal Alliance, I believe, is the official name. Uh, Colorectal Cancer Alliance. Cancer Alliance. Um, and obviously all the money goes towards finding a cure for cancer, but specifically in this case, colon cancer. I will be putting uh, the link in the show notes to the Petathon page, but if you don't, uh, if you don't have it really available, it's geekade.com forward slash pitathon. P I T A T H O N. That's correct. Pitathon. All right. So we were on a month hiatus. I was in Ireland and Jengis was, his mind was in Ireland and he, we decided. I was pining for the fjords. <laughs> and so we decided to, to have a quick month hiatus, but we are back. Um, with our regular show and to get this started what's going on buddy <laughs> oh you know uh just checking out some of the stuff from gen con nothing really like pops for me um but the pathfinder's second edi- 2.0 core rulebook is out uh and i was uh skimming it a little bit um interesting to say the least <laughs> yeah i actually have no interest but for the sake of the podcast what's it about Jagus? <laughs> but unlike you i'm always fascinated by other uh, rpg systems as uh, might our readers be indeed or readers jesus i mean listeners that's wow, right wrong medium what's Read wrong with me with your ears that's um, it reading with your ears and hearing with your eyes that's and a podcast title <laughs> there it is read with your ears um so uh, Pathfinder, uh, if you don't know what Pathfinder is, it was essentially D&D 3.75. If you don't it know what Pathfinder is, you've been living under a fucking rock. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people don't. <clears throat> some people are hip onto the RPG system. Maybe they only know what D&D, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and you're doing yourself a disservice a, it, if that is it, indeed it, all you know. <laughs> Pathfinder came out at a time where there was a vacuum because 4.0 was very polarizing in the sense that it had, uh, I mean, dumbed down might not be the right word, but for, for, it for the sake of how we changed the mechanics of the game. <laughs> it did in a way that seemed dumbed down only because 3.0 and 3.5 were very robust and probably too much. So um, to the point where um, the gateway to getting into D and D was very, very large and required a lot of rule books and always rule checking. And it, it's just, and as great as it was 4.0 was D and D's way of saying like, we're going to make this really simple to play. So you don't need to check the rule book all the time. And the way the mechanics were set up really took a lot of the choice and a lot of the freedoms that we like about the game sort of away from the players so when there was this vacuum pathfinder rolled in paizo along with a creative team of some of the people from the 3.5 um wizards of the coast team who had since been um let go moved over to paizo and 
they essentially made, as Jenga said, 3.75 and uh, a sort of a newer, fresher version of the 3.5 D&D rules based off of the obviously um, open gaming license Indeed. that uh, Wizards provided. So tell us about two, Pathfinder 2.0 now that we have a 5e D&D, which is like more like the actual what should have been 4.0. <laughs> so uh, Pathfinder 2.0 definitely does its best to... Uh, separate itself from the D&D roots um, in, a, in a different way. Uh, you're still rolling D20s, uh, but they changed up a whole lot of stuff. Uh, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Uh, pro- it's probably unfair to compare it to 5th edition, because 5th edition is its own beast. Um, but, uh, so, the, what, the most important things that uh, Pathfinder 2.0, in my opinion is that they change how your character is built um, because you're instead of a race, quote-unquote, you have an ancestry. So you could be... A, your, your ancestors are... or your heritage comes from dwarven... Uh, it's a dwarven bloodline or elven or etc., etc. Um, they even include goblin as one of the base heritages um, because it was very... it's a very popular race with people um, and it's in there. Uh, they also uh, add in, um, so like your stats come from your ancestry, your background, and your class. That determines your stats in addition to whatever you No, actually. That would determine your stats. Uh, there is alternatives to do um, uh, array or point by, but if you were playing vanilla, it would be that. Um, and also everything... <laughs> Everything is a feat. <laughs> like racial feats, heritage feats, class feats, skill feats. It's all in there. Everything's a feat. <laughs> so the design team was like, all right, what did 5E do? Well, they sort of put feats in the background. They're not really a thing anymore. Like you can take them, but not really. And they were like, how can we be different? We're going to make everything feats. <laughs> um, and you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh but it's interesting because it allows you to do more. It's more customization with your character. Um, like to like the most nittiest of gritty. Like you could definitely min-max it, but much like in fifth edition, where you can make a character that is unlike another character, um you if you pick a fighter, uh let's say you pick a, a great weapon fighter you're probably going to play similarly to another great weapon fighter mechanically. However, in Pathfinder 2.0, if one person plays a fighter, they could pick any number of feats that's going to make them extremely different than another fighter. Uh, just because you you literally, you have to pick, like, you don't get, like, multiple. Right, but, you get, but like, like, I guess... I guess, but here's my question, though. Mm-hmm. That's that's an unfair comparison because you You're compared right. a I fighter say... <laughs> archetype to picking anything. I did and then say that's not I would not way compare to... it to 5th edition at the well, It's heart. not even that. It's just, it's, just, it's just your comparison was like, you'd have to compare picking a fighter in general in D&D yeah. to picking a fighter in general in, Path- in Pathfinder. The question is, if you're trying to compare the customization, 
it would be, yes, a great weapon fighter in D&D would play like other great weapon fighters in D&D, but for for Pathfinder, would that not be the same if I made a fighter who was specializing in two-handed weapons, mechanically, would I not be playing the same as another fighter who would choose the same thing? You understand what I'm saying? Like Yes and no, you're, but like, you, like I said, there's still like... Uh, so the major point, the, the points in which you pick feats, uh, I believe you get a feat. Let's say, we'll just take fighter. Uh, you get a feat selection at first, a feat selection at second, fourth, six, every even numbered uh, level afterwards. So eighth, tenth, twelfth, etc. Um, so like, and each, each uh, level tier has like, three to even like seven options mm-hmm. uh, and you're only picking one so it's like that's what i'm saying i feel like a character's even if you pick an archer type character i still feel like you can make a drastically different archer type character than another person um mm. it, it's it's really inter it's very modular in a sense Um, I don't know. I have a feeling if I were to look at it, I would find that in some ways it would still be pretty much the same old shtick. But that is interesting that they're trying to make it more modular, and I appreciate the customization of it. I like the way they're taking it. I want to see where they go with this. Like, what the splat book's going to look like. Um, Are they going to add additional feats for existing classes? I want to see it all, you know? I, uh, I hope that they are able to carve out a niche for themselves um that maybe you know people who want something a little bit more uh a little bit more than you know fifth edition as far as like character customization goes Mm. um and you know uh from what i've read it's fairly uh well received some people are very being particularly nitpicky about the uh, the player the character sheet they provided Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know if you've seen it um probably not no I, i didn't look at anything um but uh, it's a lot. Visually, it's a lot at first glance. Um, but the more you look at it, the more you kind of understand, like, they just, they literally just broke everything down. Like, they have, this is where this modifier goes. This is where this modifier goes. This is where you total everything up. And uh, it's an, like I said, I, I like, I see what they're doing with it, and I, and I appreciate it. But to mm-hmm. a layperson it might be a little intimidating because there's a lot of boxes. Hmm. Um, some some things I noticed, uh, they're definitely being very, uh, which I think is a good foot to go on, they're being very much, uh, they're, they're adapting to modern times. There's even, uh, the player character sheet has a uh, section for gender, but also a section for pronouns. So... While you may be of one gender, your pronouns may be something else. I think they're they're allowing that customization option. I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, obviously, it's not like you can't do. I, I'm making a face right now. I know not because I disagree with it, but because it's not like you can't do that in D and I find that though people appreciate that it's there, that they, right. it's acknowledged and it's there, as opposed to okay. being like implied. Okay. Uh, but anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to, I have to read more into it. Um, because I was going to say, like, if you think about it, like the D and D, it says 
gender, but there's no check boxes. Like you can mm-hmm. put anything in gender. Mm-hmm. I understand you know what I'm saying. No, like I it's do. not like I don't know. But yeah, I I I, I mean honestly, I hope Paizo. I wish them all the best. I really appreciated their 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 Pathfinder game in my time of need. And, you know, as you said, I hope that they are able to carve out like a little a niche for themselves with gamers. And I hope that their business model continues to be profitable and that they uh, that they don't end up um, tanking. Um, But I like I said, I'm I have I have I feel like I have RPG fatigue and I just don't see a reason to switch again. Uh, I I wouldn't say switch, but, you know. I, I just don't see a reason not to play 5e, but that's just because mm-hmm. I'm entrenched in it. Um, but that aside, um, I'm sure you can check out more of the materials for Pathfinder 2.0 mm-hmm. online. Um, and speaking of RPGs, I'm going to roll that over into... Uh, I was in actually in class in grad school, mm-hmm. and uh, it came up that there's the, a friend of mine is... Similar, he likes you know Dungeons and Dragons, board games, and whatnot. And in his acting class, decided to um, bring in like an RPG as a teaching tool. And I was like, oh, Ooh. which one? And it was a game called The Quiet Year. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Okay, and he told me all about it and how it ran, and I thought it might be interesting. And maybe you and I should maybe uh, give it a try because the woman who makes it um, is, uh, you know, very very relaxed. She, you know, it's almost has like a pay what you will model, but like suggested pricing. Long story short, she doesn't have any hard copies of the game left in stock, but you can get the electronic copy of the game, which you can just cut out and print and everything else for like six bucks. That's not so bad. So I figured. Yeah, so I figured maybe you and I might want to. I mean, I don't mind paying or whatever. You can pay. It doesn't matter. But one of us can just pitch in the six bucks and give it a try. But for those that are interested, a, a Quiet Year is a different style of RPG um, in which you are playing in a. It's a map game some that say, you're playing. Someone say it's in a, a world building type uh, kind of game. It, it is both. Um, it is based on a map, but it is defining the struggles of like this um, village that is sort of like in a post, I want to say post-apocalyptic type universe um, or world and where like the players, you kind of pass the control of the game from one person to the next and you play through the course of a year, the quiet year, which I believe if I remember what he said, it's like the year before like a large harvest or something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that game, I think it's played with a deck of exactly 52 cards, one for each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can like world build. But the thing is, is like, he was saying that with his students, the first time they played, it was frustrating because they were all sabotaging each other. It would be like, you know, <laughs> well, cruel one person. Gods. <laughs> yeah, like one one person would say something to the effect of like, you know, oh, this week, um, you know, we 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 rebuilt a little league um field for everyone. And then like, you know, oh, the next week, turns out the little league field set on fire and <laughs> like, Rip. you know, everything was burned to the ground. Oh no. So they didn't get they didn't do very well by the time the end of the game came because they were more interested in sabotaging one another's plans and seeing how silly they could make it. But upon a uh, a secondary try, they figured out ways to be a little bit more cooperative and apparently the year went very well. So nice. Um, it says here, um, come winter, the frost shepherds will arrive. 
and you might not survive beyond that, whatever that means. You have to build a community up to learn once again how to work together. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's like world building, sort of cooperative role playing. Um, But I thought it might be an interesting game for us to try. Uh, Our mutual friend Glenn actually uh, uh, told me about it. Um, He actually pointed me towards a... uh, uh, a podcast to listen to where they played it. What I thought was really interesting when they played was the uh, the fact that y- you as a group determine w- how long a project should take. Um, and like there's like time tokens. So like, you know, after a certain time, you put a time token, to, you know, and then after that, the project happens. And that's like, I thought that was really interesting. It's just like a lot of like, you know, abstract interpreting you know, like what would this society do? And right. you can definitely take, you don't have to like do specifically what they did. You could do your own little thing. Um, and you could kind of set like an arbitrary, what happens during the, the, the end. Um, but I would definitely be down to try that out with you, David. Um, yeah. I, f- I feel like um, the reason I thought of you, I mean, outside of the fact that we play games together was because the way he was describing it, it almost seemed like a hybrid of an RPG and worker placement in a weird way. <laughs> it is. It's very worker placement. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this is right up Jengis's alley. Role playing game, worker placement. I was like, Liv, this is great. <laughs> um, so it'd be fun to, to sort of try that out. Uh, I was, uh, and another thing that came up was, um, uh, a graduate of mine actually is on on the road right now, and um, to City? was looking to California, oh. um, and was looking was looking for media to digest. And I was like, "Oh man, you know, you should listen to the podcast." Burka, 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 burka. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, "What would be?" Because he was looking for ways to entertain him and his friend as they as they drove to California. And I was like, "What are what are good games to play in the car?" Like what's a what's a good game to play in the car? I thought you and I could just sort of suss out like what would be an interesting game to take and modify for car. I mean, obviously we can say Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. Like potentially that could easily be modified to play in the car in some way, shape, or form. You know, the DM just doesn't use dice and drives the car and just sort of talks the narration and the you know and the player mm-hmm. hits or misses based on the DM's whims. But outside of basic Dungeons and Dragons, like What's a game that would be cool to modify for playing in the car, like on a road trip? So, hmm. That's interesting. Right? Um, you know, uh, beyond like the, uh, the normal, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, what the heck is it? I spy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking like. Like, uh, like, like if there was a way to take a traditional or like, like when I say traditional, I mean like if there was a way to take a tabletop game uh-huh. and transfer it into a car form, what would be interesting to play like in a car? I definitely think like a, a storytelling type kind of game would, would lend itself well. Uh, uh-huh. it keeps the conversation going. Um, you know, like, uh, I think, you know, just what it's hard to like, cause like what you said is like, Oh my God, that's what I would have thought of. Um, you know, just like a, uh, kind of like a turn by turn, you know, you say a thing, the person reacts kind of, uh, narr- it's like modified D and D as I was saying, a narrative 
storytelling experience. Okay. Um, you know, uh, it's it's hard to like because like games with verbal components, like you think of like Mysterium, you know, like but that requires yep. a visual aspect to it. It um, does, uh, or does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose so. You could try to do like a. Like if you described a vague image to someone, yeah. like if you had to describe the image you were giving them as their clue rather than showing it to them, mm-hmm. and they had to suss out what it was you were trying to tell them based on that, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. Like you could do like a whodunit kind of thing. Like in your head, you picture out what the crime scene looks like and the, the specific clues that you need, like the person would need to pick up on. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you just give them a, a general... I mean, it's similar to a role-playing game, but it's a different mechanic. Because instead of, like, you know, moving forward in a narrative, you're you're in the moment and you're trying to identify everything that's important uh, that the, the storyteller is trying to, you know, portray. I think that'd be interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be like, you know, this is the room. It's kind of like, almost like the riddles... That you know, sometimes we like to tell each other in the car. Oh, tell them a precious. God. <laughs> um, but you know, like it, it's those ones that I really hate that uh, would John and Chris love. Um, <laughs> the ones that are like super abstract, and you're like, wait, I've asked all the questions, like. <laughs> Uh, but those are fun. If you yeah. know, if you know a couple off the top of your head, like those are, that's a that's a maddening one hour you can waste. <laughs> yeah, those crazy riddle games. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. For me, I mean, look, I would say I think roll discovery games are perfect for a car ride. Ooh, nice. I mean, you could easily play Avalon in a car, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, honestly, like. Granted, someone someone that's not the driver would kind of have to keep track either uh, probably on paper rather than on the on like a physical board with tokens. But like in terms of like the the hardest part would be just sort of sussing out roles because obviously the person driving can't close their eyes yeah. and do that beginning in terms of how to suss out the roles. But that like. Role discovery games, I think, would have a good place in in a in a car ride. I mean, if you're doing something more akin to like car game assassins or mafia, where there's a narrator, that's just the person driving, yeah. And then everyone else can, you know, in the car can play the game. The problem is, is there's so few people um, that you'd have to play either a modified version or you'd have to be in a very large car. Like if you're in a road trip with, you know seven people in like a a huge like you know like i have a traverse like in the traverse right like that that's easily made into like an avalon type style game but if you've got two people well then that doesn't really suit you know fit the budget fit the bill so to speak Mm -hmm. um yeah uh any other thoughts or you're moving on uh i can't think of anything much more off the top of my head All right. Well, I thought it would be the next thing I wanted to sort of go through is uh, I'm just rolling along here Um, doing this on speed right now because my wife is desperately trying to have me (laughs) go and uh, feed our children. Jengis. My my, wife. wife. There it is. (laughs) We have one fan, Jengis. I know. (laughs) Just one. (laughs) And that's all she wants is that. Um, 
but in all seriousness, uh, I was thinking, so Peterthon coming up, and, and I think we might have done this once before, but maybe our answers have changed since then. Um, and if not, then we should have done this. But what are some pain-in-the-ass board games that we've played or we can think of? Games where it has just been like agonizing to play and i know jenkins is going to be like oh any apples to apples cards against humanity no i mean that's just mind numbing when you're talking about pain in the ass talking (laughs) pain in the ass yeah pain in the ass game um um i mean like this is just me personally yeah uh these are my personal opinions in no way represent uh <laughs> you shall not pass <laughs> um i'm not a huge fan of like elder sign <laughs> yeah uh elder sign and games of that ilk where like you are running against the clock okay yeah. i should i should rephrase because i love forbidden island and i love forbidden desert and the forbidden series but games like uh elder sign and that ilk have just so much RNG, like random number, like randomness to it that like it's right. very frustrating at times because <laughs> you're sure. like you're pulling out of the deck. You're like, all right, here we go. Oh, well, there goes. And because like forbidden games are generally over relatively quickly while like but most of the games we play have a random element to them. What true. is it about this specifically that makes it a pain in the ass for you? Um, Just the dice oh. <laughs> um just fishing because you're always fishing for something you need yeah. something and like you can't get it you just you're rolling the dice you can't get it you know like and that's that's a pain in the ass to me uh for sure um uh-huh. and like you know you could play it on easy mode but i mean eh, where's the challenge in that so this game right. as it is like presented normally, it's very uh it's very painful to to truly like get through to a you might not even win. <laughs> you could lose at the end of the day. Like you can lose and like not You can even... <laughs> lose. You definitely can lose. Uh yeah, I I could see that, but I would say for me, the pain in the ass games that I've played um honestly like here's the thing i so this is gonna sound weird i love mage knight not as much as i love gloomhaven but i love mage knight um now that i have gloomhaven i almost like don't need mage knight anymore Mm -hmm. but mage knight is probably a better single player experience than gloomhaven is Mm -hmm. um i've tried to play gloomhaven as a single person and it just doesn't work well um but playing it playing as mage knight single player does um but in both instances, I just, I, but specifically more with Mage Knight, I'm not a fan of games that take like an, an, an exuberant amount of time to set up and then even more time to break down. Yeah. It just becomes daunting, and especially the breakdown. Like it makes you not want to play the game. Like, because you just think, oh, there's so much setup involved. Like, if you could just have a space dedicated to it all the time, it'd be fine. Because you're like, you're like, I don't have to put half this crap away. It's just going to stay this way. But just Mage Knight in particular is very much a game that requires a lot of setup 
and then even more breakdown once you've created the map and you've like altered your deck and you got to unalter everything like it's just a lot and as much as i like the game i just that's a pain in the ass to me any game that involves that many pieces or just all this stuff um (laughs) can be can be just daunting and and a bit of a pain in the ass and i I try not to i try not to clump gloomhaven in there even though it does have a lot of pieces and whatnot um but i think it's different because I don't know you, because you it's a such a good game. Because well, what? I said you have a system now. Yeah. Well, also, and um, as of our last game um, you, th- that we had, um, we tried out this new. I found this new app called Gloom. New app. Yeah, called Gloom Helper. Ooh. Um, and it. I mean, I'm going to show it to you visu- visually as I describe it to our viewers. So it was five dollars, and it was worth every penny. Wow. So. This is Gloom Helper, and what it does, in addition to having the monster card deck that we needed f- to add Jengus into our game, um, you set up the difficulty of the scenario, and you can select a scenario number. Um, and let's say you you select, let's do, let's do scenario one. The monsters are populated into, I don't know if you can see it, but the monsters get... It get populated um you can then populate the characters and they get populated so i'm just going to add a random character into here uh where am i going uh do uh add character add brute okay um and there's no spoilers for the characters that are that you haven't unlocked yet they're just symbols with question marks so you can't see what they are um you just have to either know what they are or not um, and then when you're ready to actually play, once you have like you set up how many how many monsters there are here, um, whether they're elite or not, and then once you've set it up and you're ready to go, you hit um, draw, and it will set the initiative here. You hit draw. And it automatically places all the monsters for you, shows you their attacks, flips the cards for you, um, calculates all the totals for you, and tracks health and everything. So, What's it called again? Gloom Helper. Um, and so using that sped up our game drastically because it invo- we, I didn't have to pull out all these little cards and keep flipping them. And I didn't need to pull out, um, all the little like tokens for damage and status effects. It was all just me clicking buttons on the app. Um, so with that in mind, it's become even less cumbersome in terms of setup and breakdown. But even then, yeah, I have a, I have a system at least with that game, but I'm, I would say that that's a pain in the ass for me is any game that has like a lot of pieces. Um, the other thing that can be a pain in the ass for me are I've started to, and maybe maybe you've rubbed off on me a little bit, or maybe it's just because of what we do now with this uh-huh. podcast and in general, but I, fi- I almost take no pleasure in playing like classic board games anymore. <laughs> like when people want to play a game with me, like my parents will come over and they'll be like, let's play Scrabble. And I just have like no interest in Scrabble. I still like Monopoly because, you know, we'll throw back to episode one. I will always yeah, be a, a Monopoly player. Um, but outside of Monopoly, really, there's not too many classic games that, like, I really want to play. Like, I might get a nostalgic feeling and say, like, oh, yeah, let's play Clue because we haven't played it in forever. And that's about it. 
otherwise, like when people suggest them, I sort of like grunt. I'll be like, ugh, <laughs> because I just know that there's better games out there and it frustrates <laughs> me that people don't want to play the better games or don't know the better games. You know what I mean? It's daunting to some people. Well, it yeah. really shouldn't be. So uh, it's kind of, a, that's kind of become a pain in the ass for me. Um, yeah. Speaking of pain in the ass. Oh man. So our buddy Patrick came over before Gloomhaven oh, nice. and he's recently gotten back into magic, but like in a very weird and on you and very Patrick way, a very Patrick um, way you say a very Patrick way. In the sense that he has, and he he was inspired by you because apparently he, until you had mentioned it, he had never really heard the term proxy before or oh. didn't really know what a proxy was. And when it sort of dawned on him that he could play magic without spending any money, that's exactly what he did. And <laughs> he, um, that's funny. he made, he essentially made, he, he printed out a play set of each card that was in unlimited or maybe not even a play set he printed out like he found like what the sheets were the actual sheets for wizards of the coast's unlimited set and essentially printed out those quantities of of the unlimited set and almost made like a weird cube type system where he took all of the cards mixed them up and then made like classic starter decks of like 75 cards with the correct amount of land and creature and rarity ratios randomly. So his idea was like, if this were 1995 or six or whenever unlimited came out, cause I think the game started in what? 92, 93 was alpha beta. Mm-hmm. So whenever unlimited came out, uh, check don't, don't, don't trust my ears, but early nineties when unlimited came out, um, his idea was like, what would it have been like to have been a kid who goes to pick up an unlimited starter deck of the game and nothing else. You don't have money for booster packs. You don't have money <laughs> for anything else. This is like, you have to just play with what you have in the deck or trade with your friends. So I'm trying to make like a 40 card deck and I have like, I had like, I think <laughs> 10 land maybe for a 40 card deck Ooh, and they boy. were like all different colors. And I was just, I was just, I just kept going, ugh, ugh, because like there's just no way to make a deck out of it. And then I traded Patrick for like certain lands and I ended up creating something. I ended up creating like a black, green, red or black green blue some weird three color awful mana based deck um in in an attempt to play with him and it was it was excruciating playing that game because it was just like he was having a great time and i was having a great time because he was having a great time but actually playing that game with that deck was just awful because the mechanics were just and we were also using like original mechanics like mana burn and all so it and even ante we started the game by flipping up our top cards as the ante for the game Uh, yeah right and i was just like oh it was so bad um and i just i i would didn't i it's not it's not something i'd necessarily want to repeat i would do it for him um because i know he's excited about it but like i was i told him i was like if you want a proxy deck proxy commander deck and come on out and play with play with us in in the in the big games um but yeah so he's so essentially i got to experience like old school unlimited magic but not like in a way that is 
like making sense more like in a way that's like it, it was exactly what he wanted it to be it was like as if we had bought as if i had bought a starter deck of unlimited cards and mm-hmm. nothing else and had to sort of figure out how to play with the cards that i got and there were some good cards i pulled like I a mean, dark like, ritual and a and a demonic tutor and some really key black cards but man it was not not great i'm just trying to remember like I thought at least there was like a set of lands, like a set number of each land and each starter deck. And I'm trying to remember. It's been a you know, almost. It's been a hot minute. It's been two decades. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like, I mean, I'm uh, sure you can look up unlimited. I'm sure he did, but if you look up, I'll look it up right now. Unlimited starter deck list i mean they were random they were random like tournament decks are today right um but i i could have sworn there was like at least some manner of like order like you're gonna get this many yeah i don't think so here how about this jangus we can buy a sealed one for uh how many thousand dollars oh. 950 bucks oh okay oh, and then we'll figure it out <laughs> It was unlimited. Was ninety three during the first year of Magic. Nice. Have you talked to him about making a cube? I told him. I explained to him what a cube was, and that drafting is a lot more manageable. Yeah, I sort of explained <laughs> it, but he seemed he seemed uh, he seemed very very set on this specifically. He was having a lot of fun with the idea, and I was just I was like, okay. Um, and I did, like I said, I had fun because he had fun, but it is not. It isn't something that I'd want to do on my own with others. Like I would much rather just play magic, like yeah. real magic with the cards that I have. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like just, it was, it was a bit of a pain in the ass playing that game. It was, gru- <laughs> it was grueling. Stick to the theme. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, yeah, we're trying. Um, but all in all, I mean, it's, uh, it's been an interesting past two months. I, I was in, as I said, I was in Ireland and I actually passed a game shop in Ireland, but I didn't get a chance Ooh. to go in. Um, but it looked like standard fare, but I would have been interested to go in and be like, Hey dude, like what's gaming in Ireland? Like, like what's popular here? Like, oh, we just... got Gloomhaven in. <laughs> that's really <laughs> <It's> brand new. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't know why we're doing not Irish I'm accents. Sorry. I, I don't, I'm not, you cool started it and I just followed. That was awful. Um, <laughs> No, it it would have been, um, yeah, it, <laughs> it would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would have been interesting to see what their what their gaming style was like. But it was a nice looking shop. I, I took have a, a picture feeling of like a, a local game store is the same. Like I also have that feeling, but I like I also feel like there might be because of cultural differences. Maybe playing certain, magic. <laughs> well, also, but like certain games might be like in terms of board games, tabletop games, yeah. like certain things might be more popular there than they are here. That's true. You know, Possibly. and and I, I would have been interested, but they were closed when I passed, and I just never had free time Damn. to go back. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a shame. Um, but I I am interested to to sort of see like what that culture is like. And in terms of magic, since you brought it up, uh, did you see they released the new commanders of Commander twenty nineteen? I did. I did indeed see that. Yeah. So at Gen Con, they revealed. Uh, there's going to be it's going to be four new commanders. Um, the first one is Angie Falkenrath, who is a um, happy birthday. 
Yeah. Yeah, you were there, Angie. <laughs> um, oh, what the heck is uh, Rakdos? Rakdos, uh, black, red, one of anything. Madness. One, one three, <laughs> hasted vampire, taps to discard a card and draw a card. Whenever you discard a card, if it has madness, you untap Angie. So I'm sure you can figure out ways to twiddle it. Um, the next one is like the flashback commander, Savine the Chronoclasm. Ah. Um, America colors and two other and uh, is a 2-2 that you prevent all uh, all damage that would be dealt to Savine. Not just combat damage, all damage. All damage. And all damage. Uh, when you cast your first instant or sorcery from your graveyard each turn, you get to copy it and choose new targets. So you get double flashback. So they have to be hard removed in order right. to be taken out. <laughs> um, then you had uh, Girid, the Conclave Exile, who's Naya and two. And uh, when he's a 2-5, when he enters the battlefield, create a 4-4 green rhino token with trample. The whenever he, he attacks, yep, populate. And then the token enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. So you populate at the time of the attack and get to attack with the populated token, which is interesting. And then uh, the last one is uh, the Morph Commander. This is probably the craziest one, in my opinion. Uh, Kadena Slinking Sorcerer. One black, one green, one blue, one of anything. 3-3. Three, three. The first face-down creature spell you cast each turn costs three less to cast. Whenever you a face-down creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. For those of you that don't know, mm, I'm pretty sure every morph in the game costs three mana so <laughs> what it's saying is if you have it but it has to be a creature spell underneath there That's if true. i'm reading this properly but if you've got morphed creatures this card reads cast and draw your deck <laughs> right well i mean you definitely could combo into a lot of uh into a lot of uh morph uh, i would say that this card would be crazy for Paradox Engine, but well, no, speaking it's, it's of the first. Commander news... Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say it's the first creature you cast. Oh, the first cost three less, correct. But even still, you get that draw will happen forever. Yeah, you get a free um, morph card every turn. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Paradox Engine got banned finally. It did. It got the ban hammer. It did. Which is crazy. Like, is it crazy, though? Um, crazy that it took this long. Yeah, because I, if you remember when it came out, I'm I'm sure we have it in a recording. I mean, you know, we can show people the receipts here. Like we, I I said straight out, I was like, this card should be banned. It's going to get banned. There's no way this card won't be banned. And then for the longest time, it was in. And then finally, I think it was the new Urza, in my opinion. And a lot of people are like, no, it's, it's been bad forever. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like the new Urza just was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like, here's a new really great commander. But if you put this commander with Paradox Engine, it just becomes dumb. And not, and there's other ways to make, make that. Granted, Urza can go off in 800 different other ways. But in my mind, in my own David Commander land, I think that that was the straw. that just, that just the final little icing on the cake. And Paradox Engine's gone. But also, weirdly, Painter's Servant is back in. Yeah. Uh, that was a mistake. I mean, only time will tell. Um, it's uh, it's definitely... It was definitely, like, a lot of people question that decision. Uh, because they feel like this is just as bad, combo-wise. It is. Um, but, I mean... 
we'll see. Um, so speaking of pain in the asses, Paradox Engine. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. <laughs> Good thing it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Commander is such a strange, like, ecosystem. Um, they had to, like, they had to, like, reiterate, like, the 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 core tenants of Commander recently as well, I believe was part of that announcement. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Commander is so, like, Commander can mean different things to different people nowadays, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but that's a conversation for another podcast. Well, I mean, uh, I just, I mean, just, I'm just touch on that quickly. Like, I feel like a lot of people. <laughs> Dave, we have eight minutes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're finishing up. We got okay. this. Um, so what I, I f- what I what I, I mean by that is, um, yeah, you first just, so, just to finish the thought, um, yeah. is there there's a there's a line where commander commander was thought to be like let's just throw all our cards in have fun. Uh, originally but then you know we obviously you you make it more efficient uh and then you start leaning more towards a competitive commander uh deck mm-hmm. and i think that our play group leans more towards more competitive commander decks than more like i made a theme i threw some cards together i have a, i'm gonna have a good old time but then mm-hmm. i'm i'm not gonna you know when other decks can finish by turn five generally our games are close to done uh, in my opinion, um, would you disagree? It would depend on the decks on the table. I, I, it's true, but I mean, like, Prosh can be ready to go off at turn yeah. five consistently. But I mean, like, I feel like a lot of decks just, you know, their engine after five turns, five or six turns, I feel like a lot of the decks in our playgroup are ready to the game could could have ended by that point. You know, like. Oh, look, no, look our, aside. But like, you're also you're also talking our games. Yeah, that's not all games. You I know, know what I mean. Like, I'm saying, like, like our, if, if this were if this were not our bang version of the game, that wouldn't necessarily be true. It's true. Like um, you know what I mean. Like if you're because we play we the reason we play that version of the game is because it shortens the the it shortens the format in terms of the time it could take to play a single game. If we were playing free for all multiplayer commander as intended originally in the multiplayer format and we're not including the the one-on-one competitiveness, if we're just talking in terms of like straight up old school free for all, that would be very different because there would be a lot more people, there'd be a lot more balancing going on. You wouldn't get Prosh out or if he was out, he'd die pretty quickly because people would be like I don't know where Jenkins is swinging. He could swing anywhere, kill us all. And like you know, if and likewise, if if like let's say a, a, deck, a, a deck that Joe has, let's say like he starts to look like he's going combo-y, everybody would just start to just smatter him, so he couldn't get it off. Why? Because there would be. It's no longer like what what team is he on? Who is he supporting? Where is he going? It's everyone's my enemy. If someone is more powerful than I am, I need to stop them. And that's. And it's that balancing act and that politics of it and everything that we sort of disliked about free-for-all magic. So I feel like while, yes, potentially a deck could go off that soon, in an actual game of Commander, it would not. Even competitively, in a multiplayer, regular free-for-all game of magic, that wouldn't be the case. I disagree. (laughs) But that's only because I read a lot of... I think you could knock out a player by turn five. I read a lot of horror stories about, like, hard 
lockdown decks, like crazy combo, infinite combo decks, like that are extremely competitive. Every tutor imaginable is in there that they can get, you know, fi- all the fix they need that they can get, the hand they need so they can win fast as possible. I've, I've read a whole bunch of stories on the subreddit. And, like, that's what I'm saying, like, and that's what I'm saying, like, there's, like, a, there's, there's, like, a, a, a delineation uh, between commander groups where, like, at a certain point, it'll just cross over to the competitive side. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't disagree with that. That's exactly what I was going to say before. Um, but I feel like, and just a quick thought, like, what do you think would... But I know you wouldn't want it. Like, I was going to say, what do you think would stop that progression towards that kind of, you know, uh, that kind of deck? I don't think there is something to stop that progression. But what I do I, think... I have a thought, but I'll let you, I, fin- let you I, finish. I mean, thought. let me put it this way. I don't think there's something that would stop that progression that would make players happy. You would lose... Oh, 100%. You would lose people. I think that it's necessary because Magic is a, is a competitive game at its heart. Um, I think you have to either honor the spirit of Commander, if that's the group you're playing with. Like, know the group you're playing with. If you're playing a group that's trying to honor the silliness of Commander, make a silly deck. You want to make, like, my old group hug deck as a silly deck, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... Or even Andy's, um, like, uh, crazy braids, blue braids deck. That's like a silly, ridiculous deck that makes everything go wild. Like, those are, like, the fun spirits of Commander. But if you're looking to play the game competitively, then that's something different. It depends on the group. But honestly, what I think is missing and what I think the real issue is here is Wizards' lack of support support. Like, Wizards will support Commander in every way except tournaments. It will support it in terms of product. It will support it in terms of getting you to buy their regular sets. Like, they put Commander Bait in there now. We know it's it's there. We know that, oh, man, like, this card wouldn't exist if Commander, like, wasn't around. Like, we know that they are playing the market for Commander players, but they are still refusing to give that outlet of, like, we're going to finally make this tournament. Like, it's going to be Commander. And if that happened, I feel like there might be a... There would obviously still be that 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 delineation, but there might be a harder split. Like, the people who are really in it to, to do competitively, they'd be more on the tournament scene, and, they, and those decks would be more geared towards 1v1 sort of tournament-style Commander. And then maybe their multiplayer decks, they wouldn't feel the need to be as competitive because they, they have the competitive track going, so they might be more inclined to play, like, the whimsy, almost. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would help, but it wouldn't necessarily... It wouldn't solve anything. The delineation would still be there. Um, but but it's, it's infuriating, I think, that Wizards just refuses to give that outlet, and therefore I think it's just creeping into regular commander games because it's what I think it's really what the competitive people want competitive people like myself like I would be I would want to be more into the paper magic like scene I'd want to be more going to tournaments and stuff and even now even after my my cards gone even with the decks that I have like I would want to be on the competitive scene if commander was the tournament format if there was a place that was like hey we're holding a like you know a crazy like you know grand prix commander style i would be there yeah 
that's my game. That's mm-hmm. the game I like to play. Oh man, that's that's a mis- that sounds miserable to me. <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't have to go though. Like no, that's no, no, just no. the thing. I'm not talking about like me personally. I'm talking about like predicting what kind of decks would show up. Like the highest competitive of competitive decks. Like, I mean, it wouldn't. If you look at the French commander list, it wouldn't be much different. And in fact, if well, Wizards did make French, tournament style, they they would probably use the French. French band commander list. has different bands. I just said, like, they yeah. would probably use the French ban list if that were the case. But that's my point. My point is, is like, I think that's what people in America, at least, are really looking for and just don't have. And I think that that's what's causing the biggest issue right now is like, because that's just the thing. If there was the separate ban list for competitive tournament commander, and that's where all the competitive decks were going, then the ban list for multiplayer could change slightly. It wouldn't have to be necessarily what it is because you wouldn't really have to worry as much about those competitive people. I mean, they would still be there, but like that there would be a paradigm shift. The competitive people go to the Frenchy like style band list, which would be now localized here in like full official wizards format. And then everyone else that's playing multiplayer go to like the whimsy format that has like a different band list. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's a possibility. I'll leave it at that. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Commander. All right. Yeah, Commander. So uh, that is it for our cast as we are on a a time clock. Um, I know how much our audience was thirsting for more, but that's why you have to tune in next time. Next month, we'll be back with even more shenanigans and more things, but even more importantly, tune into the Petathon this weekend. Hell yeah. And obviously, uh, I'll put it all in the notes. So please be sure to turn out. It's a very important event for the entire Geekade family. Um, and we would love to crush the numbers we made uh, last year. Uh, just a, a constant uptick in crushing goals would be amazing, and we would love to see that. So please, yes. please, please, please. If you can't, if you can't watch it, tell someone about it. You don't have to watch to donate. Um, it's all on the it's all on the page. Uh, and there's obviously there's wonderful art in the eBay auction as yes. well. So you know. If, if you're listening, please check it out. Oh, also, shameless plug for myself. Um, recently, I've gotten into um, streaming Skyrim VR. You can check it out on Twitch TV uh, slash Alibris. And um, A-L-U-B-R-I-S. A-L-L-U-B-R-I-S. Alibris. And um, what I do is I role play as I, I created a new character in Skyrim called uh, Leo. Uh, and he is a master assassin for hire. And I role play with the NPCs and it's hilarious and it's a good time. And according to uh, Matt Much, it should be a TV series because he <laughs> finds it to be funny. I said, as long as I can get somebody to edit it, I don't have to. Sure, go for it. Um, but anyway, check that out. Uh, all right. Have a great month, listeners. Bye. Bye. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.